What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 17 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jack Bradley. On the left of my Zoom screen is my good friend, Jordan Lauby. Jordan, how are we doing this evening? We are doing great this evening. Decided I'll take a personal day tomorrow. And then for school, we have off on Friday. So I get a nice long four-day weekend. Can watch some opening day Yankees baseball at 1 p.m. tomorrow. Should be a fun ride. I know, Jack, you're excited about the Red Sox tomorrow. How pumped are you for the MLB season? Hyped. 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 I've been waiting so long for this. I'm going to two of the first five home games at Fenway Park. I will be there. So I'm super excited to get back there. I'm going to see my first ever Perez Day in person. Uh, I'm just, it's, I'm beyond excited. I'm excited for baseball in general. It's, it's last season. Yes, we got it. We got a full postseason, but did feel a little bit short. We didn't get, you know, the, the pennant feel, especially I know the Red Sox were out of it, but I think this year we're in for some great treats. We got some great pitching. We talk about the Padres, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, the Nationals, everybody. It's anyone's game this year, so I'm excited for it. But let's kick it off in the NBA to get started because there's been a lot going on. Jordan, who you got as your hitter of the week as we creep closer to the NBA postseason on about five weeks away now. That's crazy to think about. This season's come and went. Um, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. And I have been waiting for them to get hot. I'm not saying they're hot right now because they're six out of their last four. But three, they've won three out of their last four Did you say four six games. out of their last four? Six out of their last ten, excuse me. They're <laughs> six and four in the last ten. That's, <laughs> I was say, that would be pretty impressive. It's Wednesday. Give me a break. We normally <laughs> record on Tuesday. Short week. Six out of their last four. The Pelicans oh. are uh, have a 1,500 winning percentage for those who didn't know at home. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, they won three other last four. Zion specifically has been doing really well, shooting 66% from the field in the past four games. Uh, only 33% from three, so his three's a little bit down, but he's not the best three-point shooter, but can hit when he has the range. Average 33 points per game, 4.8 assists, eight rebounds, one and a half steals, half a block, and had a plus-minus of positive 14. So he's been doing a great job there, being really efficient with his playing time, dishing the ball out, grabbing boards, and just getting buckets, which is what we've wanted Zion to do since he's gotten in the league. And he's done it all year, and especially these past four games, he's been doing a great job as far as an average is concerned. The other guy I wanted to bring up was Brandon Ingram. He's shooting about 48 49% from the field in the past four, about 55 56% from three. Uh, which is really good to have a three-point above your field goal percentage. Um, 23.3 points per game, 4.8 assists just like Zion, 2.8 rebounds per game, 0.3 steals and blocks per game in the last four games. So those two have really been a great one-two punch. Uh, Steven Adams has been playing pretty solid as well. And as a team, they're doing good. Since the All-Star break, uh, they which is the past 10 games, Uh, They're shooting 49.7% from the field, 35.6% from three, which you want a little bit higher, but the Pelicans are nowhere near the best three-point team in the league. So it's completely fine that they're kind of at that spot. 114.9 points per game, 28.7 assists, 47 rebounds, six and a half steals, 4.6 blocks, and 13.8 turnovers per game, which is actually up a little bit from where they were before the All-Star break. This is where it's interesting. Their defense is playing a lot better than what they were in the first half of the season. They're allowing uh, 45.4% field goal, 
37.7% from three, which usually they're giving up a, a much higher three-point percentage. 110.2 points per game. That's about five points down from their uh, from the average before the All-Star break. Allowing 21.8 assists per game, which is down. Um, allowing 37.6 rebounds per game, which I believe they're the average they were allowing before that was about 45. So they've really, they've taken advantage of getting boards, only allowing eight steals per game, only allowing 6.6 blocks per game. And they're forcing 11.6 turnovers per game. So they're not doing terrible. And then two of those games in that stretch, they allowed 135 and 125 points. So if you take those two games away, they're only allowing 105 points per game. So Pelicans are doing really good. The next four games they got, they, their home against the Magic and the Hawks, and then they go on the road to play the Rockets and the Hawks. So if they can win three out of these next four, they're going to be in a great position for the four after that, where they'll be at the Nets, home against the Sixers, at the Cavs, and at the Kings. So three out of those four teams are doing really well, especially the Kings are getting back on their hot streak that we saw last month. Cavs are kind of trying to figure things out, obviously moving more to a rebuild mode. So that should definitely be a lock-in win. But if they can win at least six or five out of those next eight games, Pelicans are going to be in a great spot to push for the playoffs. Yeah, they absolutely shat on the Celtics the other night. Zion was just bullying everybody they had. I know Grant Williams was guarding him for some point of time. Uh, the newcomer, Cormette. That three-point percentage take you had is very accurate because the newly acquired Evan Fournier uh, was 0 of 10 in his Celtics debut. So, And I think he was 0 of 6 from 3. So mm-hmm. definitely not a good start for him, but shows that the Pelicans defense is playing really well. And I have the standings actually in front of me. They are... One and a half games back of the Warriors for the 10 seed. You were mentioned the Kings. That's a huge game against them, that eighth game. Because uh, I think the Kings are a half a game ahead of the Pelicans. They're sitting at the 11 seed. And they've actually won seven of their last 10 and five in a row as well. I know you mentioned they got hot. De'Aaron Fox, I think, was Western Conference Player of the Week, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. for last week. So definitely some important games. They got to take advantage of the Magic. Uh, Hawks are playing well, but they got to take advantage of the Rockets. And then if they can beat some of those better teams, definitely going to be Huge for them heading down the stretch. I know ESPN would love to have Zion Williamson make the playoffs. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. They love their big guys in LeBron and Zion. LeBron, Zion, LaMelo. Anthony uh, Davis. Anthony Davis. Pretty much anyone on the Lakers. Tom Brady. He's not on the Lakers. But still, uh, let's see. Speaking of Lakers, they're not my hitter of the week. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up. I got their counterpart. I got the LA Clippers. Now, yes, they did lose Mm -hmm. to the Orlando Magic last night at home, which isn't a good look. They did have some guys out. I believe both Marcus Morris and Paul George were out. So not the best look in the world. But before then, they had won six in a row, including the Hornets, Hawks, who both have been very well sitting at the four and six seeds, respectively, at the Eastern Conference right now. They did beat the Spurs twice in San Antonio. And then they beat Philly and Milwaukee, who are two Mm -hmm. of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, as we all know. And they beat Milwaukee pretty handily. Um, I know the Celtics did the other night as well, but I know Milwaukee's had their fair share of struggles. Giannis has been kind of up and down. Milwaukee's lost three in a row, I believe, after their nice winning streak. But uh, what I really want to point to is is we all know how good Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are. Kawhi Leonard, since the All-Star break, has actually been leading the league in steals. I know we all talk about, you know, he is a great defensive player. His numbers pretty average uh, in that six-game win streak. Uh, He only played five of the games, and then including the Magic game last night, he's at about 24 points a game, 53.6 from the field. So about average, I mean, great stats, but average Kawhi stats. And then I know Paul George missed last night. 
His shooting, though, even during that win streak was pretty crappy. 41% from the field, only 29% from three and 18.8 points a game in the season. He averages close to about 23. So uh, his assists and rebound numbers are up. So he is distributing the ball while he's averaging close to seven seven assists and seven rebounds a game during that stretch. So he is moving the ball. And a big part of that is the guys I'm about to mention. Because I think we've said it on this show a couple of times, Jordan, that the Clippers do have a lot of depth. I know the Lakers, yes. that's something they've lacked in, but that's something the Lakers had last year. We talk about Philly's depth. Brooklyn, we'll get to LaMarcus Aldridge in a second, but mm-hmm. they've got depth. It's it's something that we're starting to see in the NBA that these teams need. So the Clippers, I mean, Luke Kennard, I know I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but back last Monday, that first or second win on the win streak when they beat the Hawks, he was 8 of 8 from the field, 4 of 4 from 3, a plus 30 in that game, plus minus. <sighs> Uh, they were down 22 at that point or in the game in the third quarter at one point to Atlanta. So he was hot. He was able to come off the bench. Terrence Mann, a guy who's not really mentioned much around this league, uh, pretty much the best six game stretch of his career during that six game win streak before the streak, he was averaging about 4.7 points a game, 16 minutes a game, 47% from the field. And then about an assist a game and about three and a half rebounds during the winning streak, 15.2 points a game. So about, 11 points or so more per game averaging close to 30 minutes a game 56.1 percent from the field on 11 field goal attempts a game uh, and seven rebounds a game so definitely the stats were up for him there he was a big part of the reason why they were winning and then one of my personal favorite players former celtic marcus morris did miss one of the spurs games during the win streak just like Kawhi did but during his five or during his five games on the six game winning streak 18 points a game 54.2 54.2 field goal percentage, 62.5% from three on six field goal or three point field goal attempts a game, which it's not like he's just taking a couple shots. He's, you know, he's getting his fair share of shots and an average plus minus of 14 a game. So really it's the role players for the Clippers right now that are really making them exciting and, and a tough team. I think come playoff time, they're probably going to draw a tough matchup, even if they get, I mean, the West is stacked, even if they get the two mm-hmm. or three seed. Uh, where right now they would be the three seed, but still a matchup with Portland or Dallas or even Denver isn't going to be easy for anybody. So the Clippers really depth, I think, if they can get George back healthy, get Morris back healthy, and really just poison themselves in the top half of the West, I think they're going to be a dangerous team. They were my preseason pick to go to the finals. I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but they've got the experience. Kawhi's a champion. Paul George is a great player. He just needs to show up in the playoffs. Yeah, Clippers, like you were saying, very deep right now. And if they can get Terrence Mann more time, I think that helps them out in the long run. The more depth you have in the NBA, the better off you'll be. Marcus Morris, obviously, playing really well, like you said. And the Clippers are just a good team. They're coached well. They play well together. They could make a deep run. Yes, they're going to have tough opponents, but they've been playing tough opponents all year long. So it's something they're used to. They're going to have that playoff mentality. They've been there before. Kawhi's won a finals before. So this team, if out of all the teams in the West could be the most primed to make a deep run, especially with the Lakers and all their injuries that they're facing. Um, so again, it's just one of those things where it's kind of wait and see, but I think the Clippers are one of those teams that can do well. And speaking of their counterpart, the Lakers, wow. The trade and free agency deadline has been absolutely bonkers. Yes. No, well, yes. not free agency deadline, but still just crazy. Everything that cut, happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge to the Nets, Andre Drummond to the Lakers, um, speaking of the, there's some others. I was yep. going to say, speaking of the Clippers, Boogie Cousins today. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. He's I a Clipper now too. So more depth on a 10 day contract, right? I think so. I need to look That's that what up. I, saw. I didn't see it too much. I just saw Boogie. Cause I know the Celtics as always a rumor to these big guys and never do anything. So 
I'll have to look yeah. that up, but yeah, uh, definitely a lot of depth being added across the West. I agree. Crazy. Yeah, I, I saw one of Woj's tweets earlier. It was a 10-day contract. 10-day, uh, yeah. Let me... Yeah, let me just double check that. But anyways, no, a lot is. of really cool, lot of, a lot of cool trades this week. If I could speak English, <laughs> Vucevic to the Bulls, Oladipo to the Heat, Gordon to the Nuggets, Fournier to the Celtics, and how about Kyle Lowry not, not getting traded? Traded. Everyone thought he was gone, and they basically got rid of everyone else. I uh, I saw a tweet. I think it was when Woj maybe tweeted it around noontime, the day of the trade deadline. And he said, you know, expect Kyle Lowry to get traded. I think it was Philly, the Lakers, and Heat, I think, were the three teams mentioned to him. And then one of the Barstool guys just quote tweeted it, and he said, I can't wait for Lowry not to get traded. And it was that moment in time I knew Kyle Lowry was not going to get traded. It always seems like there's one guy out there that every year we think is going to get traded, and it doesn't happen. So Lowry isn't a contract year, though, so he could sign elsewhere. Maybe he wants to stay in Toronto and be a part of the rebuild. I think a lot of people forget, too. He is 35. He's a little bit older. It's not a spring chicken anymore, but Jordan, did you have one trade? I know I posted it on the Instagram, mm-hmm. but did you have one trade that you were more, I guess, excited about or excited to see um, in the future? Yeah, I think Vucevic to the Bulls was a great trade, in my opinion. Almost a perfect match with Zach Levine. That offense just gets so much better with him there. They can they add a little bit more depth, not depth, but they can rotate some other guys in yeah. and out. So that'll be really nice to see. They did get rid of Otto Porter and Wendell Carter, who I was talking about last week as guys who could step up into starter roles, but now both of them to the Magic. So yeah. we'll see how it goes for them. Um, but I think Vujovic to the Bulls, automat- not a contender, but definitely a playoff I, I think in the future. Team. I think in yes. the future they can definitely be contenders. I know you talked about it last week with Lonzo for the future. I think Vucevic for the future is a good Yes. fit. I don't think he's too old. They also did get Daniel Tice and Javante Green from the Celtics on kind of a side trade, which a lot of people weren't expecting to see that. So that's why no. they were probably able to afford trading Wendell Carter mm-hmm. uh, and Otto Porter because uh, Green kind of plays the wing and Tice can be a backup center in this league. I think that's a great move because I think he is a backup. He was starting in Boston, but I think great move for him being a backup center uh, I agree. in in Chicago. The, the move that I had the most, and I guess we can kind of touch on this too, is Oladipo to the Heat. I think that yeah. went under the radar a lot. I think it was Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley uh, got shipped out to Houston. And I think Avery Bradley, if I'm not mistaken, will probably be bought out of his contract. Who's I think someone who could definitely help a contender. He opted out of the Lakers uh, bubble run last year, but definitely still a great defensive player. Only 30 years old. It seems like he's been in the league forever, but mm-hmm. I think that was a huge move for them. Uh, keeping it on the heat topic, I guess. They have lost six of their last seven. They did beat the Knicks the other night, but really the Heat have kind of been like the Bucks and the Celtics. They've been really up and down. At one point, they were 11th in the Eastern Conference during their seven-game winning streak or eight-game winning streak, I believe. They jumped all the way to fourth, and then during this losing streak, they're now down to eighth in the East. Uh, really, it's their offense that sucks right now and is not playing well, so I think Oladipo is going to be huge in this part mm-hmm. uh, really they are 27th in three point percentage which as the heat i mean you, you saw what they did in the playoffs last year in their final yeah. hero and duncan robinson were hitting their shots jay crowder who i know isn't there anymore was getting open looks iguodala was getting open looks jimmy butler when he had to even though it wasn't all the time was still shooting threes olenic who again is no longer there was part of the trade so they definitely need that they also are have given up the most three pointers in the league, which isn't great either. So I think Oladipo is just going to be a stud for them and help them out and really just help that depth. 
really, like I said, the East is wide open. So if the, if the heat can get back up to that four or five seed, I mean, they did it last year. Who says they can't do it again, but I think Oladipo is going to be a huge part of that for this team. I agree. Oladipo, just a great shooter all around, wherever you put him on the court can get it done. Great passing the ball as well. The thing with him, he's just got to stay healthy. Yeah. Like he had some injury inconsistencies in Houston, had some injury stuff already happening with the heat. So just got to get him up to speed, got to get him up to pace. And I think he's going to be a really good fit for the Heat going forward and maybe bring them back to their championship ways like they were last year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's going to be huge for them. Um, I know we talked about the signings a little bit. What do you like? Do you like one better than the other? I guess Boogie's only a 10-day contract, and I know he's a little – I don't want to say he's washed, but eh, – Yeah, like between... and just to clarify, those are – like it's it's expected to happen, but not for another week. They're still trying gotcha. to work out some okay. things with it. So, and that could end up voting well um, for him and the team. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. But if there's anything I got to pick, probably Drummond to the Lakers just because yeah. they have so many injuries. And Indeed. Drummond's a guy that can come in and be an impact starter right away and get points, get rebounds, dish the ball out. So, he's he's really good there. Aldridge just adds depth, you know, like he, he's a very good player. And I think having him at the Nets is just like, hey, we're, we're stacking up to beat the Lakers, to beat the Clippers, whoever you want to put against us. We're stacking up so we can go take him, the Jazz even, you yeah. know, so. I'll, yeah, Aldridge is 35, Drummond's 27. So, I mean, and yeah. not nothing against Aldridge. Guys had a great career, really t- helped. I think he was one of the catalysts for that Portland franchise. I know Brandon Roy was out there for a little bit of time and he teamed up with him and Dame, but really Aldridge for a while was kind of just the center point of that of that franchise and that kind of turnaround from the uh, Rashid Wallace days in the early 2000s. So definitely deserving of a potential championship. So I'm happy that uh, for a guy like that, that he's able to go out and play for a contender. But like you said, I think, I think that the Lakers really, really needed that kind of big splash. They didn't really do much at the trade deadline. So being able to get Drummond really for not much at all, I think is huge for them. And he will be starting, what is it? 6:59 on the East coast here. He will be starting tonight uh, in his first game with the Lakers. So by the time you're listening to this, that game will have been played. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go out on a whim. Let's say he gets 27 points, 13 boards and five assists. Oh, okay. See. Who do they, I want to see who do they actually play? I think that game is on ESPN. If I'm not mistaken, I would assume so. It's a Wednesday night prime time Lakers and are not Lakers Celtics and maps. Uh, oh yeah. Bucks. That's definitely on ESPN. 100%. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I do have like an honorary hitter of the week. I don't really know. Yep. Uh, go I got, for it. I, I got the Jazz up here, and I know we talk about the Jazz a lot. We mm-hmm. got our boy James. I think he's gotten some of his friends to listen to our show. But I'm not just kissing ass here. The, the Jazz are legit right now. It is. I mean, we. Know, I mean, I should say they've been legit all year. But they've got another winning streak up to six games. They're eight and two in their last ten. And I want to look more into like, not that we're an analytics podcast, but I want to look more into the analytics. First of all, Jazz are twenty and zero at home this year. This year in the NBA, there's only 34 home games. So they got 14 home games left. Good chance of going undefeated at home, I would say. Uh, definitely, I think the best all-time home record, if I'm not mistaken, is 40-1 and one during a season, I think, during a regular season. So they at least win percentage-wise, I guess if they lose one, they'll kind of be knocked out of it. But still, if they can get that one seed, again, that's huge with their home record that they have. The, the biggest takeaway, and I got this from NBA.com, so – Around the league, so this is as of last night, there are 10 league-wide lineups that have played at least 200 minutes and have outscored their opponents by 10 points per 100 possessions. 
and the Jazz have three of those lineups in the NBA. Oh, my God. Uh, and they're completely different, too. It's not like it's just the same four guys and then they just add another guy. Like, they're completely different lineups. So the first one, the top, the most, I guess, outscored is their starting lineup. So Conley, Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, uh, O'Ne- Royce O'Neal, and Donovan Mitchell. The second one has three reserves on it. Now, we know Jordan Clark- Clarkson's a six-man-of-the-year candidate, but it's Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Joe, Ang- Joe Ingles, and George Niang, so three reserves. And then the third lineup on there is Bogdanovich, Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal. So getting the other two starters, I should say, in there and Bogdanovich and Mitchell. And then Derek Favors, who, if you've watched the Jazz game this year, has not looked super sharp in a lot of these games. So the fact that they're still up there in the top 10 of just kind of point differential for the amount of minutes played is just absolutely insane. Donovan Mitchell, again, showing why he's a superstar in this league. His last five, not including the Cleveland game from the other night because he only played 20 minutes because they blew him out by 40 and they didn't need him. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 31.6 points a game in that span, 55.7% from the three uh, from the field, over 50% from three, 6.4 assists per game, 97% from the free throw line on six free throw attempts a game. So again, we've said it multiple times. I think he's a superstar in this league. I don't know about you, Jordan, but just looking at some of the analytics, the Jazz, mm-hmm. I want the Suns to make the finals because I said it and no one else is believing in me, but the Jazz are going to be a problem with their home record. Yes, I agree. And I just looked up that home record stat. That is the 15 and 16 Spurs, and then the 85 86 Celtics is 40 and 1, the best home record. So if they can end up going undefeated at home, they would obviously have the best home winning percentage. So that'd be great to see there. I think but the I Jazz... may have messed up, though. I think I may have messed up. You know what it is? The what Jazz is have, are not 20 and 0 at home, they are 20 and 2. They have won 20 in a row at home. That's what it is. 20 in a row. I read the article wrong because at first I was like, they're really like 20 and 0. They are, they lost their first two games at home to Minnesota uh, out of all teams and Phoenix. And then since then have won 20 in a row. Okay, but still, great win streak. (laughs) Still, I mean, at this point, who really cares how you start the season if you're at the point you're at now? Doesn't matter how you start, matters how you finish. Exactly. So That's they will not catch happens. that record, but still are ridiculously good at home. So and have awesome. a lot of depth as we've talked about all episodes oh. so far. <laughs> yeah, they they are very deep. And especially that three rotation point you brought up. That's an incredible stat to have when you're three out of the ten teams with that yeah. stat line. And there's That's what insane. ten different guys in those three rotations. Like I said, it's not like it's just four starters and they're rotating another guy through there. It is. I mean, one of those lineups has three of their reserves in it. And, and even like I said, Clarkson or not Clarkson, uh, Gobert and Mitchell are each and only two of them. So it's not like even the star players are on all three. They're in two of the three, which crazy. Crazy. Just nuts. (laughs) That's what they're doing. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with a healthy LeBron, healthy AD. And obviously, Devin Booker's going to drop 70 a game in the playoffs. So I ain't worried. I I agree. And speaking of nuts, <laughs> how about our mock draft changes for this yes, week sir. for the NFL? Yes, Just... sir. Let me pull up my mock draft here. But definitely oh some shakeups in it. Uh, what we're going to do one more definitely before this. Jordan, can we can we make yeah. a game out of this? Can we can we make we a game out of this? We can make a game out of it. But we're not we're not going to. I think here's how. This is the first time I'm I'm spitballing this to Jordan. So everyone bear with me. But Jordan, maybe I was I was thinking in the shower the other day. I have a lot of shower thoughts. Mm-hmm. Maybe like we do it off like a point system. So like for example, I mean 
everyone knows we still each got Trevor Lawrence going one. So maybe some sort of point system. Like if Lawrence goes one to the Jaguars, like we got the team right and we got the player right. Yep. Two points. Two points. But then like, say for example, like Zach Wilson, two to the Jets. Say someone like trades up to number two, say like the Patriots, this is just for sure. get trade up to two, but Zach Wilson still goes. I think we should still get a point. One point. Yep. And then if I still think, and then two, if say we say like Zach Wilson goes or yeah, Zach Wilson like goes to the Jets, but it's like later, still one point. Yeah, it's just not at that pick. Still one point. Okay, I agree. All right. Yep. All right, and everyone. Then, and we'll, we'll and also, if you get it. a trade correct, let's say like the because in mine I have the Falcons trading back with the Panthers. So if the Panthers trade up to four, I get a point for that. Then they have to pick the right guy. And okay, so you get a bonus point. point for the trade. So you could get yeah, three yeah. points, up to three points for one. Well, no, no, it would still be two, no matter what. Gotcha. Because um, gotcha. you would still have to get the trade and the team right. So that's two points gotcha. there. Okay. Um, yeah, so that we'll, would We'll write out, out the rules. We'll write out the rules. Yep. We'll put a wager on it. Put some sort of... Yeah. Game. Yeah, we'll put a wager mm-hmm. on it. Um, we'll, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll determine that. We'll figure it out. If anyone's got any good wagers, DM us. Mm-hmm. I think whatever you guys want to see, as long as it's legal, legal, <laughs> legal. Feel free to shoot us any illegal DMs. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, we'll Anyways, figure it out. Jordan, so we each wanted to go over kind of like three, I guess, of our biggest changes. I guess what's like the first change that you got on yours from Mock Draft 1.0 to Mock Draft 2.0? Yeah, even though he's only moving up one spot, this is huge because he does play the quarterback position. Zach Wilson goes from my number three spot to my number two going to the New York Jets. And I watched some film on him. He looks real sharp. There's some throws that he makes that I'm like, it's really good. But if that's an NFL DB, is he going to bite that? Is he going to get there? His upper body quickness is insane. His hands are fast. He's fast as a player in general, very explosive. So those are all great things there. What really solidified it for me was his pro day. And I know it's on air. There's no DBs. You're throwing to one receiver on a predetermined route. He's not getting bumped. Doesn't have to move across linebackers. That's fine. But the throws he was making at his pro day are not normal throws that you see ever. Even in other pro days, some people just roll left and just throw left. He was rolling left and chucking the ball right off one foot across his body, hitting jump passes, sidearm flicks. Like He was doing everything that you want to see from a prospect quarterback. And Chris Sims has him ranked number one in his rankings for this year for the quarterbacks. And I, 14 out of his 15 that he's done – um, or 14 of the past 15 quarterbacks he's ranked in the past three drafts, he's got it right. So if there's anyone that I could believe, it's Phil Sims. And he has Wilson ranked number one, Trevor two. I think he has Trey Lance three, uh, the guy from Texas A&M and four, and oh, then Justin Pond. Fields five. Con- yeah, Pond? yeah, Kellen Pond. Kellen, Kellen Pond. Pond. That's it. Or Mond, something like that. Mond, yeah. He's, um, he's so- I like him. I don't think yeah. he's going to be like a top – round pick he's actually pretty solid i was watching some of, i was watching the bull games the bama game that he mm. played he's a pretty solid player he is i think he'll have patriots yeah he'll be that jordan love pick where like yeah. he goes to a team that has a developed quarterback and it's like okay learn from this guy and then be a freak in two or three years i'm kind of what yeah could be he could learn from him that's another thing we'll have to touch on a little bit later yes sir but Zach Wilson, for me, has proven he's better than Justin Fields at this moment in time with an incredible pro day, with a deeper film dive, and just he brings swag. Like, the, <laughs> I love his headband. Any team, any 
anytime, any place. Like that's I love that. That's really like that gives me Jim McMahon vibes when he had the <laughs> Pete Roselle across yes. the headband. I love that. Yeah. Um, no, I like that. I mean, I have Wilson still at number two. I think that's going to happen. Mm. I guess my first kind of like biggest takeaway. So I have, for some reason, I keep trading, the, I keep having or thinking that the four pick is going to get traded because that right now, if I'm not mistaken, belongs to the Panthers. Mm-hmm. So uh, number four is the Falcons. Falcons. Sorry. Falcons. My bad. And okay. we actually both have it. We both twice have had it traded. <laughs> yes. So I think my biggest thing here is I think field slips down to four. I think Trey Lance goes up to three, but my takeaway is that I think the Broncos are going to trade up for Justin Fields. If he's there at four, Mm. I think they will trade up because I know we've talked about the Falcons a couple of times. They might take a quarterback. They might not take a quarterback, but I think the Falcons could trade down to that number nine. They need help on the defensive end. Take Micah Parsons. Who's definitely going to be taken in the top 10. I think you have him as nine as well, just going to the Broncos, which would, be a really good fit for him too with that defense that they have mm-hmm. uh, and a great guy like him. But I see the Denver Broncos trading up because we're all seeing what's going on with the Watson situation. Again, we said it last time. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to him. I really don't think he's going to get traded just because teams don't know what's going to happen. And I think if the right guy is there for the Broncos, that they could definitely trade up for it. I don't know if they want to reach for Mac Jones at nine. I feel like nine would be a little bit of a reach. Maybe That's I don't very know early. So I, and I do, I do think Mac Jones is going to get taken earlier than probably if this was a regular, I don't say a normal draft, but a draft where four quarterbacks might not potentially get taken in the first four picks. So I could see the Falcons trading down. I know I had them trading down in my last mock draft too. I said that the chargers were going to trade up for Panay Suell, but we've seen what they've done in free agency with their O line. So I don't think they're trading up anymore. So that's what I have. I think I do have Trey Lance three to the 49ers I could also see Justin Fields going to the 49ers so that might be my mock draft 3.0 maybe but I think there's going to be I did what you did last time I think there's gonna be four quarterbacks taken in the first four picks yep and it's a high possibility now especially with the 49ers moving up yeah and speaking of that number three pick I originally had Texans trading with a couple picks working their way back up the draft to get a quarterback and that was Zach Wilson this time around they're not going to get a first round pick just because of all the stuff happening with Deshaun Watson He's up to 20, 21 lawsuits now, which is absolutely insane. He was at 12 the last time we recorded. So yeah. nine in a week, that's no joke. Like, even if one of those is true, like, that's awful. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, oh, none of them are true or all of them are true. Like, we have no idea until all the evidence is there and something can be proven or disproven. Yeah. You know, but enough on that. I know number two, I have it about the Texans. But the more important point I'm going to make is that the 49ers will take Jamar Chase at the third overall pick. Hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. You got a lot of shit on this on Twitter last night. I did. I did. (laughs) But they they ended up liking my response. They did. They did. I was cool with it. So let's go back to 2019. The 49ers are boasting the best defense in the league, one of the most efficient offenses, especially when it comes to the play action. Jimmy G is a solid season. I believe he had 27 pass touchdowns, only like eight picks or something like that. Had a decent amount of yards. Nothing that really lights up the stat sheet, but he did good for what he was supposed to do. 49ers offense was very good with George Kittle. Debo Samuel as a rookie played very well. Had Emmanuel Sanders, who was great for the season. And their offensive line really gelled well together. Jimmy G gets hurt at the beginning of the season. Half their defense gets hurt, including Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, who two of their stud defensive linemen. They still had the fourth best defense. 
and they bring back Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk uh, is a guy who's going to be really solid as a true number two receiver in the league. Both on my dynasty George, team. Oh, yeah. George Kittle's coming back. There's just a lot of guys that are coming back into the fold that are going to do really well. They re-signed Trent Williams to the biggest offensive line contract in NFL history. He's the best left tackle in the league right now. So they have all the pieces there. So for me, this is a team that was one year removed from a Super Bowl. And when Jimmy G's been healthy, I think they've only lost five games in the four years he's been there when he's healthy. Like, I know winning is a team stat. And I'm not going to say most of it, but a good chunk of that comes from the quarterback play because they have to know the entire offense. They're the one distributing the ball. And it's just it's just like a point guard in the NBA. Like, if the point guard's breaking plays well, the offense is going to do better. When the quarterback's on his shit – that team does better. That's why teams with really good quarterbacks tend to do well, except the Texans this year. That's the one anomaly. With the 49ers, you get Jimmy G back. You need a true number one receiver because Brandy Ayuk is good enough to play number one, but he's not going to be a game breaker at number one. You go get Jamar Chase, who was better than Justin Jefferson last year. A lot of people don't know this. He had more yards on less receptions and more touchdowns. Like, Jamar Chase is a game-breaking, speedy wide receiver. He just ran a 4.38 today, hit a 42-inch vert. Called yeah, it. He called it 4.38. He texted me. I was, I was like, over, under, 4.4. And, and Jack said 4.38. I was like, all right, we'll see. So I bet for sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> so then I believe he had a 41 or 42-inch vert, and then he had an 11-foot broad jump. So that just shows that his explosiveness and then his athleticism with speed. I know those really aren't the best indicators, but that's what we've been using for years, and it's the system that's in place. And usually how the combine or pro day goes is how they translate to their skills in the NFL. So you get a fast receiver, which you do have in Debo, but Jamar Chase is faster. True receiver talent. Someone who's been a number one guy before, has worked in an offense very similar to the 49ers. Jamar Chase is the perfect pick for the 49ers because they do not need a quarterback. And if they do want to pursue a quarterback, guess what? Kyle Trask will probably be there. Kellen Pond or Kellen Mond, whatever his name is, will probably be there. And there's still some other quarterbacks you can get a little bit later in the draft that won't be as good as the other guys, but they will still be good enough for you to develop under Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, I I like your reasoning. The only reason – oh, what are you going to say? No, 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 you're good. I, I, okay. My cattle. So your cattle your cattle's making noise again. Yes. I got you. I like your reasoning. The only thing that I disagree with is that I think – because we saw the Eagles trade down from 6 to 12 to what the 49ers originally had. I think if the 49ers were going to get a wide receiver, they may have maybe tried to make a trade with the Eagles for the sixth spot. Because I think at 12, even at 12, because right now, and I'll go into it in a second, at 12, there still could be a receiver there between Smith, Chase, and Jalen Waddle, who are obviously the top three. I think they may have tried to make a trade with the Eagles at that point, because I think we both actually have a receiver going at six. I know in our last draft, we both had a receiver going at six, both to the Eagles at the time, but still. So I just think the if, if they made a trade to six, Definitely either Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, maybe probably not Devontae Smith, just because they need to kind of diversify the receiving core. I just think the trade's so high up, I think they've got to take a quarterback. Just kind of the scarcity of the quarterback, because like I said, four guys are probably going to be going at least probably in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Where the receivers could too. There could be two receivers taken in the top. There could be three receivers taken in the top 10. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But 
I just see, and Pitts, I guess, I know he's not a receiver, but still kind of the speed that he has is basically was, a receiver. I was just going to bring up that point. He ran a four 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 today and it was a sloppy 40 time. Yeah. That was the other thing. Like he, he was weaving in and out for the first 40, uh, 20 yards. So he could have definitely ran a four 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 three eight just like Jamar Chase. Um, he also has the longest wingspan since it, in measurement history for a skill position, either wide receiver or tight end. The thing that they, the 49ers could also do is take Kyle Pitts. Yes, they have George Kittle, but George Kittle can play in the slot. He can play out wide. Kyle Pitts showed he could play as a true tight end in the slot out wide. That is something Kyle Shanahan would do. Run a two tight end set, put them both in the slot, put one on the line, put one out wide, or put them both on the same side, one out wide and one at tight end, or one at slot. And then you put Devo and Brandon Ayuk opposite side. Yeah. And then Richie James over there as well. I, th- I believe he's still with the 49ers. Could be wrong so. about that. Um, but – yeah. That just shows, like, the versatility of Kyle Shanahan's offense in his mind. Like, taking Kyle Pitts there would not surprise me. I think it would be a great pick in all reality. I could see that. That's something I could see. I still think they would have tried to do six, but I know you mentioned the yep. Bengals maybe trying to take him at five. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a but Now the Falcons, too, are in the that Fal- mix. I mean, the, yeah. It, the everyone, Falcons were talking about yeah. it. So it's going to be interesting. I, I don't want to – I guess we'll get more into it as we get closer to the draft because there could definitely be another trade. Who the hell knows? <laughs> but – my biggest move, and I was kind of touching about it, I have Devontae Smith slipping to 12 at the Eagles. I think what's going to happen, I have Jamar Chase going six to the Dolphins. I have Jalen Waddle now going to the Lions. I know I originally had Devontae Smith. I think with the departure of Kenny Galladay, they're going to try and replace him where we know Smith's more of a screen receiver, kind of more of like a slot guy where Jalen Waddle is going to line up on the outside. So I think they're going to try and replace Galladay in that sense. And I think Devontae Smith is going to slip to the Eagles, which I don't think is a bad fit. Former teammate with Jalen Hurts. I think for a season they may have crossed paths at Alabama. So not a bad fit there. And I think he fits kind of that Eagle wide receiver split. I know they like to spread the field a lot, but kind of just having a, I mean, we haven't seen Nicky S's offense. I think if Peterson was there, Smith would be a great fit with him, but definitely with Jalen Hurts, just kind of, we, you said it last week or two weeks ago, Jalen Hurts doesn't have the best deep ball by at any means so having a guy who can go out run short routes catch short passes i think will be a good fit so i don't i don't like Devonte smith slipping especially as the heisman trophy winner and two receivers getting taken before him but i just don't see any team i mean maybe the cowboys but i think they're pretty deep at receiver the giants i mean they went out and just got galladay they still have slayton uh shepherd and then they got the two tight ends and saquon i don't think they're going to take a receiver that early so I think just kind of by the nature of the draft, I think Devontae Smith's going to slip down to number 12. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it could be the same situation where one of the teams that does have stack receivers does take Devontae Smith and trades one of the receivers yeah. for another draft pick. You know, we could definitely see that happen. Giants could be a team that does that, you know, yeah. wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Maybe they no. trade Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both in a package deal because they already have John Ross. True. Like they just picked him up. And right now he's the number four receiver. You know, and do you really want the guy who ran the fastest 40 in NFL history just sitting there as a backup like yeah. he wasn't with Cincinnati? I think John Ross can break out in, in New York. But again, time will tell. We'll have to see. For sure. Well, we were speaking of Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. So for your third one, your third, I guess, change. What do you think? Yes, it did. Um, so I went from having four quarterbacks go in the first four picks so now I believe it's – I have three in the first four, and the four that falls down is Trey Lance falling all the way to New England. Just outside of those first five or six picks, I don't think any anyone else needs a quarterback. And I think the Patriots can kind of sit and wait. A team might try to trade up, but I think if the 
if the Patriots start hearing those rumors, they make a move as well. They have the draft capital. They have the players to do it. They can make a move and move up to get Trey Lance if they need to. But I think no one's really going to make a move for Trey just because he's an FCS quarterback. And we kind of see what's happening with the last one in Carson Wentz from the same school. I still think Carson Wentz is going to do really well in Indy. But as of right now, he's not that great. And I think teams are going to be wary of that. And I think that's why he falls to New England. He'll be the perfect backup for Cam Newton. He'll learn under him. They're very similar players, very similar athleticism. I don't think the Falcons are going to draft a quarterback. And I think the Broncos have a bigger need than quarterback, especially on that offensive line. Um, and then on the defensive side as well. So, and that's, yeah, yeah. I would love that. I, I'll take Trey Lance at 15. At 15 I'd take yeah, him. That'd be, that'd be great. If he slipped that far I, again, there's nothing stopping the Patriots from moving up a couple of picks. Maybe the Eagles trade back again and get more draft capital for the following season. Like they've been doing, you know, that's a high possibility. Yeah. Yeah, Bill uh Bill has been like stocking on draft capital for years cuz it seems like every year mm-hmm. they just trade down. <laughs> it's literally the thing. It's like every year the Patriots are like, "Oh, 21st, 28th." And then what do they do? They trade down. Like last year they didn't even yeah. have a first round. Pick. And I I think he's so, doing that on purpose cuz he knew he was going to lose Tom Brady at some point. So he's yeah. been building this draft capital. Now he's ready to rebuild and get this team back to championship way. Like, yes, you missed playoffs one year, but you still went what, 8-8, eight 7-9, eight, seven, seven, nine, nine, like yeah. Yeah, like you got like that's not a. I mean, it's a losing record, which sucks, especially yeah. for Patriots Nation. But it's better than most of the other teams in the NFL. They would have made the playoffs in the NFC East. Literally, uh, <laughs> they yeah. probably would have gone six and zero in the NFC East. Probably, I think they would have been a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would like that. Like I said, I'd be okay with him falling that far. My fifteen overall is probably not going to happen, but it's a little bit of a surprise and something I could see happen would be mm-hmm. Mac Jones going 15 to the Steelers, though, a trade. I think that could definitely happen just with the scarcity of the quarterbacks that we're seeing. I think Mac Jones is going to get taken, like I said, higher than he would have in a normal year. I think he'll go inside that top 20. I know I mentioned the Raiders last time, but I think, and, I, and the Raiders did sign Marcus Mariota, so I don't know if they'll be looking for a quarterback this year or maybe waiting till next year, but I think the Patriots will trade back as they always do. I think Cam is Bill's guy for this year. I think maybe maybe he'll take maybe like a Trask or a Kellen. I, I looked it up. It is Mond or Mond. a Kellen Mond maybe later in the draft. I think could be a good fit, especially mm-hmm. Mond. Very similar like mobility like Cam Newton could maybe learn from him, a former MVP, former uh, Super Bowl participant, I should say. <laughs> so I could see I could see the Steelers trading up and trying to get a QB. I know Trask and Mond have actually both mentioned the Steelers as well, but if they want the more, I guess, maybe solidified guy, even though I think Trask is still pretty good, maybe they'll trade up and try and get a Mac Jones early in the draft, and it's not past me to – or not past anyone, really, for Bill Belichick to trade back. And then I had the Patriots getting Z- Z- Zavin Collins from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very athletic college yeah, I don't know if you've nuts. seen any film on oh him. Oh my god! But we know Bill loves his kind of athletic guys. He can probably line up on the outside and be an edge rusher as well. Can drop back in coverage. Can get to the quarterback. And we know very similar to uh, to Dante Hightower, mm-hmm. I would say. And just with Jamie Collins, like Bill loves these guys. So not saying that Bill. I mean, maybe he could trade up and have two first round picks. Who knows? But and Collins is probably going to be in that twenty rounds so, or twentieth ish. I think twenty fourth, but in the twenty range. So. Wouldn't shock me to see the Patriots trade back at all. I 
I know you said mention them trading up. I'd be shocked if they trade up just because I just I just don't see Bill doing that. No. But but I th- I think in a year yeah. where Bill's really not a big free agency pursuer, trading up could be something he definitely does just with the nature of this offseason and how he's yeah. ran everything. It's been different this year compared to mm-hmm. other offseasons here in New England. So. I think which is great. Like that's like that's probably throwing a lot of other teams off. Like, wow, the Patriots yeah. are actually making moves, you know. Yeah. So not it's just so Bill's way of being like, hey, we're going to go win another three rings, you know, yeah, and we're going to do something. Yeah. And knowing Bill, he'll probably want to say, okay, we'll do something Brady can never do three Pete. And that would be crazy if Bill Belichick could do that. That'd be nuts. So very, very tough to do that. They were the last team to win back to back Super Bowls alone. Yes. Sir. Um, all right. Do you they have anything gotta, else? I was going to the say, they, they, ju- they just got to have a winning record first. <laughs> um, yeah, they do. That's all I don't really have too much. Uh, at the end of our drafts, we actually had back-to-back picks that were the same. So good for us. Yes. <laughs> um, a lot of it's, it's funny looking at it, just a lot of even like the trades we made, we have a lot of teams taking like very similar. Like we both had Bateman going. Uh, any reason why you had Najee Harris out of the first round? I know I you were Najee high on Harris him last and week. Travis Etienne are I both knew out it's, of the first I knew round. Etienne. I know you weren't as big as on um, Etienne as well. But Najee mm-hmm. Harris, any reason you don't have him? Because I had him moving up. <laughs> yeah, so I just think the Dolphins have bigger needs right now, especially across the offensive line. I took a deeper dive into the film and just how they played together last year. They brought in some new faces. I just think they need one or two more guys. And I think Elijah Vera Tucker, who played tackle his senior year, he played guard for most of his career. He's a versatile guy. You can move in and out if you need to. And he's a very good guard. So I think if they get him, Miles Gaskins will do better. And who knows? There's a lot of running backs in this draft that are going to be second tier guys. Javante Williams. Um, they get the other UNC running back whose name slipping my mind. And who knows? Najee Harris can end up being there when they come back around. Because yeah. they, they have a lot of picks in the second round too this year. A lot of they have two or three this year or is it two or three the following year? I think, well, I know they have like 10 within the top in the yeah. first three rounds. I think yeah, that's crazy like that. That's this so. year. So they're going to be able to get a running back that they want and do a running back committee with Gaskin because Gaskin did a great job last yeah. year for what he had to deal with the offensive line, the offensive inconsistencies. Like he was able to produce. Is he his true starting running back? No, but he's a committee running back. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Was it um, Michael Carter or Javante Williams? from Both UNC? of them, Michael Carter yeah. and Javante. That's they right. They both are competing for the starting job um but cool be crazy well, if they went to the same team yeah for sure if, yeah yeah well i mean if you're not with the patriots when you're seven when they're seven and nine don't be with them when they're eight and nine yeah speaking of this, eight and nine <laughs> oh boy take it away it's all so you. the end of the nfl added a 17th game they are taking away one preseason game and the season will be one week longer the super bowl will be on february 13th this year I personally hate this move. Okay, Alvin Kamara. Because, yes, more, more football is great, and I love more football. If you're going to add a 17th game, add another bye week. Give the players another week off. Let, them, let their bodies recover. Let them get back into shape. And if you do two bye weeks, you can put one at the beginning of the season after the first five games and then one at the end of the year before the last five games. And then teams fluctuate. In the middle, like week 12, you could have the huge NFC versus AFC and have everyone play week 12. A legit all-star game. Literally. Give me like, an all-star game. Yeah, a legit one. It's just football's kind of that sport where it's so physical. Yeah. You can't really do an all-star game midseason. You know, uh, that would throw a lot of teams off of rhythm. They used to have the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl, believe yeah, it or not. I remember those days. That was crazy. Um, 
So adding this 17th game to me is stupid, but I think I'll get over it because I'm like, wow, another week of football. Let's go. And I think the NFC-AFC mashup is going to be really cool, adding that 17th game. Just give – now it's five out-of-conference games, which I think is neat because then you can, you'll see more Super Bowl possible matchups, you know. So I think yeah. it'll make for great storylines. It'll make for great games. But I think in the future they will eventually add another bye week, especially with President's Day weekend being the Super Bowl if they end up adding the bye week. I was going to say, too, what they could have done is because they're still starting the normal week, so the week after Labor Day. And I know, yep. I mean, I know Labor Day is a big, like, I don't say party weekend, but a big, like, last – people aren't sitting and watching TV. But I thought maybe if they did the two-bye week thing, they could start on Labor Day weekend when week four of the preseason would have been and then do the two-bye weeks and then still will get their – their uh, Super Bowl on President's Day. And it yeah. expands the season a little bit because if you look at other professional sports season, the NFL really in length of time is the shortest one from really, I mean, I know there's OTAs preseason, but really from the start of the regular season to the end of the Super Bowl, it's what, five and a half months, not even like five months yeah. in a week, where five baseball, a it's week. a full six month regular season. Then you head into October. Basketball, you're going from now like October to and I know I'm I know it's different with COVID. It's it's weird this year, but it was going from like October to basically mid June. So what eight nine months there. Same in the NHL. So I think it's good that the NFL can extend it a little bit. Um, but I think mm-hmm. another bye week may have helped too. Just help ratings get more teams and rest up players. I think could have been huge for them. And like I said, take advantage of the Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and I just hope they shift the bye week because it, week five I think is way too early yeah, to have a bye three. week in general. Like when guys have a, or no week yeah. week four I think is the earliest one. That used to be the earliest. They changed that okay, two years two years ago. So I think if they make it week six or week seven, that'd be fine. But I still think week six is too early. I think yeah. if you get the first six weeks guys playing games consistently and then do from week seven to like fourteen, like that would be yeah. perfect in my also, opinion. Uh, hear me out here. I think they should do bye weeks. Everyone in the same division should have the same bye week. Yes, that'd be awesome. Like have each division depending on where they finish, sign kind of up. like sign go me up from for, there. Sign me up for commissioner. Um, yeah, because <laughs> if you do week seven to fourteen, that's eight bye weeks. So yeah. that would be one for each division, and yep. then alternate AFC and NFC, AFC, NFC. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that could do be, that. That could go a long way. Uh, any other NFL news before we take it yeah. over to the most important sport in the world? Yes, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of signings uh, happening this week. Uh, first and foremost, J. Ron Curse and Devontae Casey both signed with ball, uh, excuse me, Dallas. They'll both play safety, and it looks like Keanu Neal will move down to linebacker with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh. So that's cool there. Jaron Reed, he considers himself a very good D tackle, so he couldn't get a deal done with Seattle, so he gets a deal done with KC. Sammy Watkins goes to Baltimore. The Ravens finally get their true number one receiver. What do you think about this move? I mean, they missed out on everybody else, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think Sammy Watkins is still a very competent, very good NFL receiver, and I think in that offense is a great fit, especially opposite Marquise Brown. Yeah, he'll be good. I just they they missed out on some bigger names that they could have had. Mm-hmm. I agree. Tevin Coleman signs with the Jets, which is another reason why I didn't have the Jets taking the NTN because I think Tevin Tevin Coleman can still be a really good running back in this league. Damian Williams, the former Chiefs. Uh, super uh, Super Bowl hero signs with the Bears. Now you got a three-headed attack of David Montgomery. Then you have Tariq Cohen and now Damian Williams. Look out for David Montgomery on my top 12 running backs of the season. That will drop Friday in the morning. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Malcolm Butler signs with Arizona. I'm okay with this move, but we're still getting older. We're not getting any younger. 
Tyson Alu-Alu said he was going to go to the Jaguars and now comes back to Pittsburgh. And then fun little thing, the Bucs are br- officially bringing back and retaining all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. So that's going to be huge, especially as they look to get another uh, repeat. Lots nice. of moves. Lots of moves. Lots of moves. Lots of general horseplay happening in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. Well, baseball starts tomorrow. We have to do our National League project. Pre- I don't. I just mixed prediction and projection together, so we're mm-hmm. going to be doing that. Um, let's see. I know last time we went kind of division by division. We did our wild card teams and teams that we'd be close. We do got to go over our World Series winner too at the end of this. Yeah, How we about do. we started it in the East last time. You want to start it out West and then go Central East, and then we'll go through wild yeah. card teams. That's fine by me. Do you want to kick it off or you want me to take it? I, I can kick it off this time. You kicked off Go for AL, it. I believe. So in the NL West, there's two very good teams out there. Probably some argue the best two teams in baseball. I'm picking to win the division. I'm still sticking with the Dodgers. They're just too good. They added the Cy Young Award winner from last year. David Price is going to be pitching out of the bullpen, which I think is crazy. Dustin May was named the fifth starter. I think Tony Gonsolin is going to be the fourth starter. So Price will probably be more of like a long relief guy on those shorter start days for those guys, but still shows the depth that they have at the pitching position. Resigned Justin Turner. Uh, Mookie Betts. MVP candidate, Cody Bellinger, MVP candidate. Yes, they did lose some depth in Kike Hernandez and Jock Peterson, but Corey Seager, I mean, he he had the I mean postseason of his life a couple or mm-hmm. a couple years ago, a couple months ago, really, in all reality. So they really were able to get really, you know, everything they needed last year. I mean, they were first in baseball and homers, fifth in hits, led the league in runs, uh, fourth in the NL and OBP. Their pitching, I mean, was crazy last year without Bauer, without Price. They were first in the in all of Major League Baseball in ERA uh, and allowed the least amount of walks. Third in the league in hits given up. So up and down the lineup. I mean, we've said it a couple times in the show. I think they were one of your teams to be excited about. They're just they're just such a good team up and down the lineup. They're really their first six hitters could all be all stars, um, mm-hmm. potential Hall of Famers and Kershaw, Betts. Like I said Bellinger. It's it's crazy. I, I think they're going to win this division. I think they're going to be the top team in baseball, best record in baseball, over 100 wins, Los Angeles mm-hmm. Dodgers, again. Yeah, I, I agree. The Dodgers are just a stacked team. Pitching is going to be solid. Batting is going to be solid. Fielding is going to be solid. This is going to be a really good run that they're going to have this season. And I might have some surprises that okay. we will hear later about the records of all the NL teams. But the Dodgers are definitely one of those teams that if you want to put your money on any team getting over 100 wins, it's the Dodgers. So I totally agree. They're loaded. They're stacked. They're going to be really sharp and really good this year. Yeah, and not saying that the NL West is the best division in baseball just because some of the teams towards the bottom, the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants, aren't the best. But I think with the Padres and Dodgers in this division, you're going to have to have the best record in the NL, at Mm -hmm. least in the NL, to win the division. So... I think it'll be the Dodgers. What this would be what was the last time they didn't win the division was 2012. So this would be number nine in a row for them. Yeah. If they can win it. Uh, would be huge for them. So would let's be. see. We'll keep it. We'll go in, I guess, geographical location order. So let's go with the NL Central. Uh, I got the St. Louis Cardinals winning this mm-hmm. division. I think the NL Central is the weakest division in all of baseball just because the Pirates aren't great. The Reds haven't been there. The Cubs have definitely taken a huge decline. 
you know, it's it, their front office. It just hasn't been great. But the Cardinals, I know you talked about Nolan Arenado. He's one of my faces mm-hmm. in baseball. I think he's a great player. He had kind of a down year in 2020, but we saw his numbers from between 2014 or 2015 and 2019. He was great. We're going to see if the Coors effect is a real thing because we know balls fly out of that stadium left and right. So we're going to see how he does in a new lineup. I know Goldschmidt had a little bit of a down year last year uh, for the Cardinals. So I think having kind of a three, four combo there of two guys who could potentially be MVP candidates who have both been MVP candidates um, to this point in their career, I think is just going to be huge for them. Their pitching is still solid. I mean, Jack Flaherty had kind of a down year last year. They had a lot of COVID issues. The Cardinals did last year too. Still finished fifth in the NL, played that Padres in that really tight wild card series. Wayne Wright might be his farewell season. Yadi Molina might be his farewell season, but I think the Cardinals are going to go out there with the goal. I think they're going to have that third best record in the NL amongst the division winners. I think they'll finish right in that three seed, Uh, but it'll be a good year. They have a young outfield, Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, really young guys all under the age of 25 looking to make an impact for the Cardinals. And like I said, just the, just the three, four combo of Goldschmidt and Arenado. The Brewers will be close, but I I, got to go Cardinals here. Um, really, I think their offense has gotten a lot better. I think I have the stats here. Their pitch, their literally their offense was they were the second to last in hits and last in homers in the MLB last year. Granted, they did play two yeah. less games, but like I think home runs wise, they were like seven behind the 29th team. So like even if they play those extra two games, I don't think they were going to get there anyways. Yeah, and I think adding Arenado is going to be a huge, huge buff, especially to the ML, uh, to the home runs and the hits numbers. So yeah. and runs too, really good in that area. I'm going to go with a little bit of a shocker. How about the Brewers? I think... Not a shocker. Not a shocker. They'll be good. I, I think they're similar to the Astros, where they snuck into the playoffs. They didn't have everyone that they needed to. Yelich had an off year. They add Jackie Bradley Jr. They get Lorenzo Cain back. Yelich is going to get back to his MVP form this year. And they potentially have the best bullpen in all of baseball. You got Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Brent Sutter. Like They are just very stacked in their rotation. And then just their fielders are doing really well uh, as well. Colton Wong's going to be there. Travis nice Shaw, addition. who's good. Um, Jackie Bradley nice Jr., obviously. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to put him in center field? Are they going to move him I, to right I field? Think, I think Jackie's going to be a center fielder for them. I think. What is the depth chart? It does have him. Oh, they have him a right, right field. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. I, I see that here. Lorenzo Cain's a very good defensive player, too. He is a little bit older. He's going to be 34 in a couple of weeks. I mean, Jackie's 30, will be 31 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think Jackie's a better defender, but Lorenzo Cain has some range, too. So I, it would be interesting. They're, they're, defensively, I think they have the best defensive outfield in baseball. Yes. They, yes. They, Yelich is great, too. He has a great arm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that defensively, definitely, I mean, even offensively, if Jackie can just hit 250. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think teams are going to end up not underrating the Brewers, but I think they're going to be easier to beat than a lot than they actually are going to be. And I think that's going to bode well for them early in the year. And they're going to end up beating the Cardinals by game and a half to win the NL central. Yeah. I, I, like I said, the Brewers are right there. This division I think is a two headed race. I, I, I know the Reds, we were all hyped on the Reds last year, but they lost Bauer. They're kind of trading some mm-hmm. pieces away. So a little bit tough there. So I could see the Brewers definitely making a run at either a wild card or the division as well. But um, we all know too, we saw what they did, what, three years ago. And two, I mean, Yelich, everyone kind of is writing him off, but really, I mean, he should have won back-to-back MVPs if he didn't break his should knees. Have. So had a down year really? in 2020, but a lot of guys did. So I'm not, I'm not knocking him for that. So Neither am I. Um, let's see. NL East, we differ again here. 
Yes, we do. Uh, I yes, got the Mar- I got the Marlins again. Um, back to back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Marlins did make the playoffs last year. Did win a series and then got swept by the Braves. Uh, speaking of the Braves, I, I I got the Braves again. I know the Mets made a ton of moves. I know I've been high on the Nationals. I know I've even been a little bit high on the Phillies. But just the, the way the Braves are, they're getting Mike Soroka back. Feel bad for the guy. He tore his Achilles like one of his first starts of last season. So it was tough to see him out. Max Fried probably could have won the Cy Young Award if he stayed healthy for the whole year. I think he finished 7-0 and on the season and had a really good, I think a sub-3 ERA, but then got hurt in, in a 12 in a season where you're only making 12 starts. If you miss three of them, it's kind of hard to win an award. So I think they're going to still be number one. This, will be the, this would be the fourth year in a row they'd win the NL East. I think the NL East is the best division in baseball. I think it's probably the AL East that said is second, but... Ian Anderson, huge in the playoffs for the Braves last year. I think he's poised for another full season, poised for a huge year. They added Charlie Morton, who has tons of playoff experience, won a World Series in Houston, pitched really well for the Rays last year. And then the offense we've talked about so many times on this show. They re-signed Travis Darno. They re-signed Marcelo Zuna. They have Dansby Swanson hitting like seventh for them at shortstop. They are a great offensive team, and I, I just don't see them – falling off. Yes, the Mets got Lindor. Carrasco is going to start the season on the injured list, but I, I just don't see the Braves really falling off. I, it's hard. They finished one win away from the World Series against the Dodgers, the team that like everyone's picking again this year, the team that everyone was favored on last year. They were up 3-1 in that series, and they choked. I think they've been there. Yeah. They have the experience. Freddie Freeman is a veteran. At this point, Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna, this is their fourth full year in the league. I think they're veterans now. They're going to lead this team, and I think they're going to win. I think they're going to have the second-best record in the National League. I think, going on a limb, I think they're going to have a better record than the Padres. Ooh, hot take, hot take. Yes, I really like the Braves going into the season as well. I think they're a very good team, very stacked. Um, Acuna is going to be great. Azuna is going to have a big bat this year. But I have to go with the New York Mets just because of the underdog factor. You get Lindor. Yes, Krakto starting on uh, injury reserve to start, but he's going to be solid when he comes back. You get Trevor May, James McCann. It's just a different culture for the Mets. Like, this is now a winning culture that they haven't had in a while. Alonzo's going to bounce back just like Yelich is, and then you get Stroman back from his calf tear. Yes, like, that's huge. That, that is, is huge. huge. That's awesome. Like, the Mets are – if there's any time they can win, it's going to be now. And I think they know that. And I think next year some of the guys are going to be a little bit older. They're not going to have the same sort of instilled new culture yet. It's going to be more like, yeah, we're, we're here. We're kind of doing our thing. You know, like they're motivated. They're ready to go out, and they're ready to go win some games. So I think the Mets are going to win the NL East. It'll be by a game. Not to say that the Bra- – I'm, I'm going to think it's close. Not to say that the Braves are a bad team. The Braves are a very good team. And I think the Mets are just going to get the upper hand in a series. They'll sweep them in one, and that'll make the difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I love how you mentioned Trevor May. He, he was one of the more underrated guys in the bullpen. The Mets, And you look at the Mets' bullpen. I mean, Edwin Diaz had 57 saves or something crazy like that a few years ago. Dellen Batances with the Yankees was great for all those yeah, years. Yeah, he was Their awesome. Setup, man. Seth. Seth Lugo has been huge. So, I mean, getting Trevor May, I think, is huge for this team because last year the bullpen was their problem. That's the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So, I think getting these guys is, is, you know, like I said, it's huge for them. They do have some depth in starting pitching. It's unfortunate that Carlos Carrasco is going to be on the aisle to start the season. But Stroman coming back, I think, is going to make all the difference in the world for them. He just signed a big contract with them. So, mm-hmm. I think he'll be I- back and, and good. 
I agree. And if you look at the Mets uh, field, the only one that's over the age of 30 is James McCann. Everyone yeah. else is 28, 27, even, <laughs> even 24 years old. Like they got some young guys in this field. And I think James McCann's going to be there for a while. Like we talked about a couple episodes ago with pitch framing, he was one of the best to do yeah. it last year after being one of the worst for most of his career. So I think that's really going to help uh, with what the Mets are trying to do, especially on the pitching side of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Kevin Pillar, very underrated signing, was with the Red Sox, got traded to the Rockies last year as a fourth outfielder, especially in the National League where pinch hitting is still important because there's no universal DH. Going to be an important factor to have some bench depth as well, which it looks like mm-hmm. the Mets do have. Um, cool. Well, wild card teams, hate to say it, I, I don't <laughs> have the Mets. I, I don't have the Mets on That's here. fine. And I thought about it. I think it's going to go these two. Te- I mean, I have the Padres, obviously. I, I think they're going to be the top wild card team. I think the record-wise, Dodgers will have the best. Braves will have the second best. I know the Cardinals, by default, will have, technically have, be the three seed, but I think the Padres will have a better record than them. So I have the Padres hosting the wild card game. And then I have the Washington Nationals, which might surprise a lot of people. Their offense still isn't very great, but Trey Turner had a huge year last year. Juan Soto, an, another MVP candidate, probably would have won the MVP, I think, last year if he didn't have that like 17 games missed because of COVID. Would have won a batting title. Those two guys, they added Josh Bell, who had a down year in 2020, but had a really big all-star year in 2019. They're getting back Steven Strasburg. Patrick Corbin had a terrible year last year. Scherzer, by Scherzer standards, had a down year. I mean, if you look at Scherzer's numbers last year, uh, he had his highest ERA since 2011, but it was an ERA of 3.74. Still under four, which is great for someone who's 37. He had his highest walks per nine since 2010 at 3.1. Highest home runs per nine. Still had 92 strikeouts, though, in 67 innings. So... I think you get uh, Corbin comes back down to earth and comes back to normal. You get Steven Strasburg back. You had John Lester as your number four pitcher. I know he's aged as well, but you add him back. I mean, Corbin last year, like I was saying, two, he was two and seven, 466 ERA, lowest K per nine since 2016. And he's only been in the league since 2015. So I think it's going to be close. I think between the NL East, it's just going to be a grinded out division. I think the, the, I think the Mets will be the next team. Like they'll be that 16, kind of like the Blue Jays I have in the, in the AL. But I just see the Nationals getting in. Like I said, everyone forgets this team is pretty much just a year away, a, a year removed from their World Series title. And the same, really have the same pitching staff. So, and I believe mm-hmm. they did add Brad Hand too, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, sorry, Daniel Hudson. And yeah, they did add Brad Hand. So they have a better bullpen now. I think their pitching is going to improve. And really, Trey Turner is going to be the catalyst for this team. And Juan Soto is going to finish probably in the top five of the MVP voting. Yeah, probably will. He was one of the best batters in the league last year yeah. until he missed those 17 games. So he's, he's only 22. Yeah, he's young. Like, he's he's, he's going to be a stud in the MLB. Yeah, check us back in five years. He might be on both of our faces of baseball. Or a little Let's try and get him on. I mean, like, on. he's already really famous and really popular. But if we start trying to get him on the pod now, I'm sure no time he'll, he'll hop right on. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would be a fun interview. He seems like a fun guy. Remember in the World Series? Yeah. When he, do you remember when he carried the bat to like, well, Bregman did it first. And then, yes. and then he did it. Like, I remember you. that. He stares down the pitchers. If you, if, like I said, if you're not into baseball and you're listening to this, watch like Juan, a Juan Soto at bat. There's mm-hmm. like, he'll do this little like dip with his knees and he'll just like stare at the pitcher. He just mm-hmm. like, but I don't think he's trying to intimidate it. He's just a weird guy. But yeah, he just locks in. I vibe with it. I vibe with it. Who, yeah. do, you, who do you got as your wildcard teams? My wild cards are the Padres and the Braves, just because these out of the other three teams I mentioned, those two are the best teams in the NL. Yeah. I love the Cardinals. I think they barely missed a cup by like a game or two. 
but the Padres and the Braves are just going to get the upper hand. And I think because the Brewers and Mets are not surprise teams, but they're the teams you're not expecting, it's going to be real tight. And unfortunately, the Cardinals are going to be one of those teams that misses out. Uh, But the Padres and Braves, just like we were talking about earlier, just two very good stacked rosters. We've talked about the Padres, I'm pretty sure, every single episode when we brought up the MLB. So they're a clear lock. Braves, very good even more improved from last year. I just think they're going to miss out on a couple of games just because they are that loaded that it's going to get like one of those like, oh yeah, we're really good. And then they just end up losing a couple. You know what I mean? It's just that too good mentality, um, which you see a lot of teams have, but they make playoffs. So Braves, we'll see Padres, how that works out for them. Braves Padres would be a really great wild card game. That I mean, not be. that Nationals Padres wouldn't be. Because I think the Nationals would probably come out full forces and have like Strasburg, Scherzer, mm-hmm. and probably Corbin all ready to throw in one game. But same with the Padres. They got Darvish and Blake Snell like we were talking about. Uh, it, and now, I mean, Denelson Lamette. So they, I mean, each team has like three guys that normally like in a normal regular season game you don't see coming out of the bullpen. But in a one-game playoff series to get in, anything's on the line. That would be a great game. I would love that. Yeah. I would love that too. And I think it's just super competitive. Like you get two powerhouse teams with great pitching just to go after it. Yeah. No. And I think, I think it's crazy too. Cause like the Padres, like I said, they added so much depth next year. They're going to have Mike Clevenger back, which is huge. And the thing is too, the Padres, and I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Everyone like thinks they're this, I mean, they're exciting. That's for sure. But everyone thinks they're this like young team just because of Tatis, but they have guys. I mean, Manny Machado played on the world series with the Dodgers in 2018. Yeah. Eric Cosmer won a world series with the Royals. Will Myers as a rookie was in the playoffs with the Rays. They have guys with experience. I mean, Snell was in the World Series last year. Darvish was in the World Series a few years back with the Dodgers. So they have the experience now. They traded they for experienced guys. Yes, they have the young guys, but they have that veteran presence, like kind of like what the Dodgers did. Guys who mm-hmm. Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, guys who have all been there before. Um, is definitely gonna be kind of a almost taking a, a page out of the Dodgers playbook, which I kind of yeah. like. Um, I know we've kind of talked about teams, I guess two teams that I think will kind of be close to, I know I said the Mets, I guess the next two teams I have out, I mean, we talked about the Brewers. There's not really too much more to say there. I also do have the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they're going to finish fourth in the national league East, but I think fourth in the national league East, is going to be roughly around a 500 record. The Phillies are still solid. They have Zach Wheeler. Mm-hmm. He had a good year last year. A full season is going to be interesting. Aaron Nola was a Cy Young award candidate. I think in 2019, he still had a good year last year. Talked about Alec Bohm not needing to be the guy. Harper has the experience in the playoffs. They re-signed Didi. They re-signed Real Muto. They have a lot of depth, and they have a lot of guys who have been there. I mean, they added Archie Bradley. So really similar. I think their offense is very similar to the Braves. I don't think it's as explosive because they don't have guys like Acuna and Freeman. But, I mean, Harper and Real Muto are really good hitters Mm -hmm. at their position. Didi is one of the more underrated players at his position. They still have Gene Segura, so going to be entering Reese Hoskins is going to be a big year for him I know he's kind of fluctuated the last few years so going to be a big year for him I know the Phillies would have made the playoffs if they didn't choke at the end of last year but they're a team like I said I think they'll be them and the Brewers I think are both going to be right around the 500 mark but look out for the Phillies they're going to give some teams trouble like I said they play in a tough division but you know they're they're going to be a force there especially with Wheeler and Nola the top two mm-hmm. of those pitching one of the better top two pitchers in the National League other than maybe in San Diego and LA but you never know yeah two teams i know we've kind of talked about these two teams you got anything to add on your two teams uh, that you think will be kind of close 
I, I just think they're the polar opposite teams, National and Cardinals. One's got really good pitching, one's got really good hitting, but it's not all going to gel together, which is why both of them miss playoffs this year. Yeah, I do believe the Cardinals will bounce back and make it in 2022 just because they are so stacked. and It's going to be one of those like, oh, shit, how do we not make it? You know what I mean? So I think they'll rebound and they'll bounce back. And Nationals, I think it's a make-or-break year, especially with the pitching, and I think they just missed the cut. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at my teams and just going off the top of my head. I pretty much have the same playoff teams from 2019 in the same order. In the same order. Wow. Other than, who was it? The Brewers made the playoffs as the wild card team as the five seed and the Nationals were the mm-hmm. four seed. I literally have the same <laughs> lineup here. Um, cool. Who do you think is going to be the MVP? Fernando Tatis. You and everyone else. Yes. I'm kidding. I don't think he's the top. I want to look up the odds, but tell me why you have him while I look up those odds. Because he's coming fresh off getting this huge contract. He's young. He played really well at the end of 2020. Uh, he's coming into 2021 with a mindset, a World Series mindset be the best player you could be mindset. He's going to crack a bunch of home runs, smacking a lot of runs, be incredible in the field. Fernando Tatis, to me, is the MVP for this season coming up. And I, where are the odds? Where is he at right now? He's fourth. He's no, fourth? sorry, he's fifth. Fifth? Wow. Fifth. Who's above him? So Mookie Betts and Juan Soto are tied for first. Interesting. So that's a little surprising. Bellinger and Acuna are tied for second at plus 800. And then Tatis is right there at plus 850. And then a little bit below him, plus 1200, there's Yelich, Lindor, Freeman, yep. and Arenado. Yes. I just think Tatis just brings a whole new energy to baseball. And I think that's finally going to come to life in this season, especially the first year in his contract. Like, yep, I need to prove I'm worth all this money. And he's going to go show out and ball out at, at the plate in the field, and just all around. I I could see it. I, I think he's going to have a good year. I think, again, he'll be kind of like Soto, be in that top five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I got and 20. So 2020 was my depression season because the Red Sox sucked, and Mookie Betts <laughs> went out and won a World Series right after he traded him. So 2021 is going to be my seasons of acceptance of this trade. So I'm picking Mookie Betts, and I didn't even know he was the favorite till I just pulled it up, because you know me, I don't like to pick the favorites, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ever. Same. So, I mean, I guess I picked the Dodgers to win the NL West, but still. So, but I think Mookie's just too good. He finished second last year. He won it in 2018 in the American League. I think it's his, I don't say it's his for the losing, but if the Dodgers finish with the best record, I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to hit over 30 homers. He's going to have over 30 steals. He's going to hit 300. He's going to drive and runs. He's going to score a shit ton of runs, just given the nature of that lineup with Bellinger, Turner, Will Smith, guys like that, knocking them in. So I just got Mookie Betts here as my national league MVP. Really. I don't want to say it's the safe bet. It's not the Mike Trout bet of the American league, but I think Mookie. I think Mookie's going to retire with three career MVP awards, and he's going to finish in a wow. lot of top fives. He already has one. I think he's going to get two in his time in LA, which he's got about ten years, eleven, twelve, whatever how many years <laughs> left to do. And he's going to, like I said, he's going to finish in the top five a lot. He's already done it, I think, four times in his career. So he's only That's twenty-eight. Crazy. So I think he'll be twenty-nine in October. So, um, yeah. Cy Young, Jordan, Trevor Bauer. I think getting a new fresh start in LA, he's going to win it. In LA, did you? Did you so, so you had Shane. Now, like I said, I love Shane Bieber. I love Trevor Bauer. 
Did you were you just like I'm just gonna pick the same guys? Like, is yes. that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yep. I'm thinking he's gonna win it again, and I think with a new regime and a new system with a good team, this will happen for him again. I think Clayton Kershaw, as great as he is, is gonna be a little bit dipping yeah. this year, yeah, and I think Bauer's is. rising up, and he's gonna take over that. Like, look, I'm the dude, and he's gonna come out and ball out. And I think, have we ever had back to backs in both in no, the same I, year? No, I don't think so. Yes, this will be the first time it happens. Jordan, Trevor if Bauer. that happens, if Shane Bieber <laughs> and Trevor Bauer both win the Cy Young Award, I will I will buy an Aaron Judge jersey. <laughs> That's a Actually, lot. Actually, no, even worse. I'll buy a Gary Sanchez jersey. Ooh. Judge is That's... actually Judge lost my respect after the the New York New York thing, but that motivated the Red Sox. But Gary Sanchez, yes. I don't know. I just don't like him. Or I shouldn't say I don't like him. I just I don't know. I don't like him either. He was just too overhyped. He was like yes, too overhyped. Yes. Like Judge is overhyped, but at least he's good when he's healthy. Sanchez yeah. just can hit bombs, but then is like a one sixty. He's a dud everywhere. And I, apparently, he, rumor has it he's catching uh, Garrett Cole opening day. Yeah, so which we'll see I'm how very that surprised goes. about. We'll that. see how that goes. I think I think Aaron Boone's going to try and pull some strings. Let's see. Let's skip NL champ for now. Let's go to your bold prediction. Well, you didn't say your Cy Young. Who do you got? Oh, sorry, I got Jack Flaherty uh, from Ooh. the uh, Cardinals. I have him in both of my fantasy leagues. I also think I'd like to call him Trevor Bauer Jr. He's about 25. I think he'll be 26 at the end of this year. Very young guy, very outspoken guy on Twitter. Electric stuff, like I said, had a little bit of a down year in 2020 compared to what people had, but just with all the COVID stuff going on in St. Louis, it wasn't really the best situation for him. So I think he's going to bounce back. The Cardinals pitching is going to need to be really good this year. I know, like I said, Arenado and Goldschmidt are going to be the catalysts on offense, but they're going to need a true number one ace if they want to win that division. And I think Jack Flaherty can do that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Cool. Um, I think you already kind of said your bold prediction, but what do you got to repeat it? Yes. How about the Mets will finish with the most wins in the National League with 97? I think three teams will finish with 96. Uh, that'll be the Dodgers, the Brewers, and then it was also be the Braves. We'll wow, finish with ninety six. Brewers at ninety six. Yeah. So you have, so you have the pot. You said Dodgers, Brewers, Braves. Yes, Dodgers. You think Brewers, the Padres Braves. will have less wins than all of those fourteen? Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can see it. It'll because I think the NL with the top teams is going to be so close this year that yeah. they'll just they'll split all their games and they'll go demolish everyone else. Like I think it's going to be those five, six teams, and then everyone else is going to be like probably like the 80, 70, 61 range. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be really tight in the NL for that top spot. And I think the Mets, just with all the swag they're bringing and all the new faces they have in the new culture, they will have 97 wins. My buddy Forrest, or my cousin, excuse me, he's a huge Mets fan. And he, he when I told him that, he's like, you're smoking crack. Bro. Yeah, I was going to say, ask your cousin Forrest, too, uh, what he thinks about Lindor's rejection. Do you hear about that? Yeah, I saw that. That so was Lind- crazy. Those who don't know Francisco Lindor, who was traded there this year, was offered a 10-year, $325 million contract and declined it said he wants at least 12 and 385 i don't blame him for what guys are getting i know tatis got a was it 14 330 no 13 340 340 yeah so but the thing is lindor has played in a lot more games and almost almost was the best player on a world series winner back Mm. in 2016 and he's been the best shortstop so i can see why he wants close to like like more than really more than mookie money because mookie got 12 and 365 so but my bold prediction, I think Nolan Arenado leaving St. Louis is going to prove, the, or leaving, sorry, Colorado, joining St. Louis is going to prove the haters wrong. And he's going to show that the core effect is a myth. 
and that he is going to lead the National League in home runs. Wow. I think if he's batting in the four spot in that order, teams are going to pitch around Paul Goldschmidt, and he's going to be kind of like Manny Ramirez was to David Ortiz, and he's going to be like, screw you. Why are you pitching around this guy? I was a, almost an MVP winner about 100 times, and he's going to hit bombs and hit dingers, and I think yeah. he's going to bring that excitement back to St. Louis. Really that power hitter that they haven't had in quite some time. I mean, I don't want to say since Pujols because, I mean, they had Ozuna for a year, but they haven't had really like a catalyst power hitter there really in quite some time. No. And I know they've had Goldschmidt for the last two years, but I think Arenado will lead the NL in home runs. Um, Love that. Great pick. Thank you. Let's see. What do you, what, what's your bracket look like in the NL? So NL Padres win the wild card game. So you have them going they... on the road into Atlanta, winning the wild card game. Yes. I, and I don't think it's going to be close. I, th- I think they're going to blow them out of the water. It'll be like 8-2. Okay. They'll, okay. they'll play the Mets. They'll play the Mets, who I think they'll they'll blow right through. Okay. Be, yep, it'll After be a 3-1 series. After saying that they were going to have the best record in baseball, yes. they're just going to get the bad in the playoffs. Because of how close they all are, mm-hmm. and they're okay. going to split, the Padres are going to get in playoff mode, beating three games to one. Okay. Dodgers are going to beat the Brewers three games to one. Okay. So you get the – you get the L, uh, the California teams clashing. That would be the hype. two teams that are hyped up all season long. It's going to be four to two. Padres are going to win. Padres are your NL champs, okay. and they Padres will play Yankees. Padres Yankees. All right, hold hold off hold off on the World Series. Go winner. for yours. Hold Go off on yours. the World Series winner. All right, so we got Padres Nationals. Gotta go, Padres. I think the, the Padres will be hosting. I think that stadium will be rocking because they didn't get the chance to actually see. I don't know if you saw after that wild card series how crazy it was there. I think with fans in the stands, it's going to be rocking oh, there. Yeah. So I think the Padres will beat the Nationals. So then we got Braves Cardinals, a rematch from the 2019 NL, uh, NLDS, I should say. As much as I want to go with the Braves, I think the Cardinals will win again just with the pitching they have. I think it'll be another five-game series. I think Jack Flaherty is going to pitch electric. Cardinals always seem to figure it out during the playoffs, so I think the Cardinals are going to go to the NLCS. And then I I wanted to have the Padres and Dodgers in the NLCS together, but I just don't see it because I think whoever wins that division is going to be the top record, and whoever is the wildcard team has to play the top record next. So that sucks. I think it's going to be a tight five game series, but I think the Dodgers will ultimately come out on top. It'll be a dog grind. And then I think the Dodgers will absolutely stomp all over the Cardinals, probably sweep maybe five games in the, or in the NLCS. So I have yet again, the Dodgers winning the national league. This will be the fourth time in the last five years. So I have a Dodgers white Sox world series. I love that. That's really cool. What's your, I have a feeling I know who you're taking. Who is your 2021 World Series champ? 4-0 sweep Padres. Whoa! I was expecting Yankees. 4-0 sweep Padres. You think the Yankees are going to get swept in the World yes. Series by the Padres? Yes, because this team has no World Series experience on imagine, the imagine, besides Brett Gardner. Imagine telling that to somebody in like 2004 seven just being like yeah in 2021 <laughs> the padres are gonna sweep the yankees in the world series i mean Literally, i'll take Crackhead it i'll take it. it i mean I, I don't really want the yankees to get back to the world series because i like the running gag that they haven't been there since 09 but if they mm. got there and then got swept i think that would just be even funnier no yeah. offense i just think that would be <laughs> that's funnier. fine no and like like i said 
Padres are gonna win three Super or Super Bowls. Super Bowls shit. <laughs> they don't even have a football team in San Diego anymore. They I mean, don't, I guess not I, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they'll win three World Series during Fernando Tatis's time in his contract. This is one of those years they win it. Will they win back to back in 2022? We'll see in our way too early predictions. <laughs> way too early 2022 <laughs> predictions dropping op- after opening day 2021. Yes. Um, Dodgers White Sox. That's going to be a fun series. That that would be a very fun series. <sighs> I like really don't want to pick the favorite. And I haven't even really thought about this till right now, but I got to go Dodgers. I just, mm-hmm. it's just too hard not to. If Mookie Betts wins the MVP, I just, how can you not pick them? You were just talking about Bauer. I was just talking about Mookie. We haven't even talked about like, I mean, I know I've said Bellinger and Turner a bunch, but they have mm-hmm. the depth. Pollock, I know has fallen off a little bit. They, they have the pitching, literally just the pitching. I know the White Sox have that three-headed monster I was talking about with Keuchel, Lance Lynn. Geolites, obviously, who I think will win the Cy Young Award, and then like Liam Hendricks out of the bullpen. But I mean, in a playoff series, even if the Dodgers are the wild card team, just their pitching alone is just so stacked. Their starters, yeah. I mean, David Price, World Series champion, former Cy Young Award winner, is coming out of the bullpen. Like, yeah. and he's not even like washed up. He opted out of last year. He had a kind of shitty 2019, had a great 2018, had a bounce back at the end of 2017. So, like, I just got to pick the Dodgers. I think mm-hmm. I think the White Sox will make it fun. I'll make it interesting, probably like a six-game series, but I, I got to go Dodgers. Yeah, Dodgers, I would not be shocked that they read I it. Yeah, I like I said, I'm going to accept be the acceptance of Mookie Betts. And then all you're going to yeah. hear in Boston is, oh, they should have kept Mookie. They should have kept fucking Mookie. Now he has two World Series with the fucking Doyers. That's all you're going <laughs> to fucking hear. Because then they're going to be, oh, now he, he only won one here. He won two with the Doyers. Fuck you. So literally all you're going to hear, whatever, um, late MLB hits. Let's see. Got Luke Voigt getting some knees yep. and knee surgery. He's going to be out probably what? Six to eight weeks is yeah, probably what I'm sounds hearing. like, um, probably the saddest news I think I've had in a while, uh, injury related Eloy Menez. We're just talking about the white Sox going to be out for pretty much the whole regular season with a torn pack. Maybe he'll come back really, in yeah. August, September. So unfortunate news for the white Sox. He was going to be one of my guys to watch probably a mm-hmm. silver slugger candidate. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez scratched from his opening day start due to a dead arm. I don't know if you know too much about Erod on the Red Sox, Jordan, but he had one of the worst battles with COVID. I think any athlete I've heard of has had, other than maybe really? Anthony Towns. I know. I think I remember uh, hearing about. I know Cat lost like seven family members or something ridiculous <sighs> like that. But Erod basically developed a heart condition from COVID. Was out all of 2020. Could, guy basically at what 27 years old could basically not walk. Um, Ugh. It took him like months to walk. He had the heart, I think the heart rate of like a 75 year old man. That's and terrible. He's a major league pitcher, which like your heart rate usually through the roof when you're pitching. Unfortunately, I, I mm-hmm. should say, I don't say at least, it doesn't sound like it's heart related. He just has a quote unquote dead arm, probably just because he's not used to pitching. It's been over a year since he's mm-hmm. pitched at a major league level. So he was having a pretty good spring, but we'll take some time. Hopefully, end of April, Red Sox will be getting him back. Uh, Rangers are going to be moving on from Rugnod Odor. If anyone knows who Odor is, he was the guy that absolutely sucker punch or not even sucker punch landed a dope punch on Jose Batista mm-hmm. in that big Rangers uh, Blue Jays brawl back in 20, uh, I remember 2016. That. Um, so he will no longer be on the Rangers anymore after uh, he was there for about six or seven years. And then Felix Hernandez opted out of his contract with the Baltimore Orioles. 
was with the Braves last year. Great. Mariners, probably one of the best pitchers in franchise history. I think is still a Hall of Famer. We'll be close, though. So it's probably going to be calling it a quits for him. And then I know we already touched base about the Lindor deal. Anything else in the MLB before we kick it over to some late hits? I think this one is a good transition to the overall late hits. How about the Mets bringing back the black unis? Black I absolutely unis. love it. Black unis back from like the Mike Piazza days. I think yes. that's a good move. I'm surprised. I didn't realize they like really got rid of them. I don't watch enough Mets games to realize that, but I mean, they're fresh. Yeah. Maybe that'll keep Lindor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. JK. Who knows? I love it though. I think yeah. the black unis are sick. Yeah. How about also Al Horford all but done in OKC? What's going Pretty on there? Much. On I that. think I think they kind of just I think he was having some injury troubles, but I've heard that the Thunder said basically that they just want to go in a younger direction. So if for Horford gets released, don't be surprised. I don't know if the Sixers really need a big man, but he, he was just there. But if he gets released, does Celt- he go Celtics, back to the Celtics? That's what I've heard. A, I've heard his wife his wife on Twitter has been a big advocate of him coming back to Boston. Yeah. Even though I think I think the fans and the media treated that man like shit. Yeah. I don't think he was as bad as people thought. Everyone used to call no. him average Al here, and I think he was better than that. He showed up in the playoffs. He was a leader for that team. Their records were better with him here than they weren't, clearly. Mm-hmm. So I know he's a little bit older now, and I, I understand why he went to Philly. Philly gave him ridiculous money. At a 33, a th- a 33 years old, he got, what, $30 million a year for four years? I mean, yeah. who wouldn't take That's that? Crazy. And, I, and I'm happy the Celtics didn't sign him for that. Like, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind seeing him back in a Celtics uniform, especially if it's something along the lines of like what Andre Drummond did, maybe sign a one-year deal, two-year deal, veteran minimum, get some veteran presence on this team, get some leadership in the locker room because clearly they need it. Yeah, clearly. Um, yeah. And then uh, the hard-hitting sports podcast curse is broken until Terrence Mann starts sucking. Um, yes. But Russ, Russell Westbrook. Against Indianapolis, well, I said Indianapolis. Against Indiana the other night, they the Wizards did win, thirty-five points, twenty-one assists, fourteen rebounds, absolute monster night. He has had three straight triple doubles too. The last one he didn't shoot very well from the field, but still has had three straight triple doubles. But that middle game right there against Indy was huge. Russell Westbrook, we talked about it. If he changed the NBA, he definitely did, and he's showing that he is not a washed-up point guard just yet. The Wizards just suck. That's all it is. Yep. The Wizards are not a great run organization, and it's not Russ's fault. Yep, and that's the first 35-point, 20-assist triple-double in NBA history. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Yep, first one ever. That is wild. So That's a crazy amount of us. Like, at at the minimum, you're responsible for 75 points. Like at the bare minimum, that's nuts. That yeah, he's wild. He is absolutely wild. Um, and then there was—I know I didn't have this written on the late hits, but did you know that Gary Trent Jr. basically got traded to? I know he got traded to the Raptors. Him and his dad got traded on the same day to the same team. Oh really? Yep. That's not awesome. like obviously his dad doesn't play anymore, but Gary yeah. Trent Sr. I think it was '98 got traded. Yeah. So that is on definitely a kind of, and no one really okay. understands the trade. They did get Norman Powell out in. Uh, Portland, who is a really great player, I think he's a little bit more developed than Gary Trent Jr., but a lot of people are not understanding why Gary Trent Jr. did get traded because he's been pretty yeah. solid to date. It's interesting. Cool. Uh, in terms of trivia, I know I put some on the Instagram story last night, but we're going to kick it off with base, or we're going to do baseball trivia because baseball starts on April 1st. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe tomorrow's April 1st. Holy shit. Wow. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Jordan, do you want me to kick it off? I got two yes. questions here. Please do kick it off. All right. 2004 Boston Red Sox trivia. In 2004, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. In that time, in every clinching game, the same pitcher recorded the win in all three clinching games. So in game three against the Angels, in game seven against the Yankees, and in game four of the World Series against the Cardinals. Who was the pitcher that recorded all three wins? Was it A, Kurt Schilling, B, Keith Folk, C, Bronson Arroyo, or D, Derek Lowe? What was the year? 2004. And this is the only pitcher in baseball history to win all three games of a clinching series still to this date. Schilling. Nope. Shit. It was Derek Lowe. He Ooh, came out of the I... bullpen in the first game. He had a kind of a shitty year in 04. Came out of the bullpen. Won game three on Ortiz walk-off. Did start game seven against the Yankees. Pitched very well. And then did start game four of the World Series. Again, pitched very well. And became the first player to do that. Interesting. Okay. What do you got? All right. Who is the only starting pitcher to win a Cy Young Award but retire with a losing record? Retire with a This will be a fun one. I'll give you some option. Record, okay. Gaylord Perry, Brandy Jones, Jake Peavy, or Mark Davis. Should you say them again? I heard Jake Peavy. Gerald Perry, uh, Gaylord Perry, Gaylord excuse Perry. me, Randy Jones. Jake Peavy or Mark Davis? Mark Davis. No, it was not. It was Randy Jones. That was my second guess. Although his career win-loss record was just 100 and 123, he had a great year with the Padres, my World Series winner, in 1976 when he went 22-14 and with a 2.74 ERA, winning the National League Cy Young Award. Okay. All right, that, that's yeah. a trick one. I've never even really heard of Randy Jones too much. <laughs> yeah, look at that. I figured um, I'd go old school for you this week. Gotcha. We got we got opening day coming up, so mm-hmm. let's see. So there's been two players all time who have hit grand slams on two different opening days. One was Sixto Lescano, which I know you wouldn't have gotten because I wouldn't have gotten that either. He did 78 and 80. But there was a player who's done it twice, like in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So was it A, Albert Pujols, B, Manny Ramirez, C, Hanley Ramirez, or D, Jock Peterson? Manny Ramirez. Close. Hanley. Hanley Ramirez. He did it in I knew it was Ramirez. I just with the Marlins. Who. And then he did it in 2015, his first game with the Red Sox. Back, actually, I shouldn't say that because he was a prospect with us in 05. Came back and hit a grand slam on opening day against the Phillies. And actually, I think he hit like a ton of home runs that first month in Boston and then sucked. Wow. Crazy. Yes. You got one Look more? At that. Are you done? Uh, no, I'm, I'm all set. <laughs> okay. I, did, I did have a fun Super Bowl trivia one. Oh, go and for it's, it. There's one of two answers. Okay. Oh, okay. There have been – Is this like a short teams. essay answer? Like do I have no, to like no, no, write no. out like you'll, a you'll paragraph I mean. form, MLA, AP, no, no, no. whatever? APA, okay, never sorry. MLA. I hate MLA. <laughs> Um, so there have been two, there are two teams that have lost four Super Bowls. Two teams have done that. Yeah. The Bills and the Vikings. Yes. Bills and Vikings. 
Which of those two teams never had the lead in any of the four Super Bowls? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Bills. The Bills, the four falls of Buffalo. That is incorrect. It was, it was the, the Vikings. Vikings. I'm pretty sure they've been blown out in every Super Bowl. See, I thought the played. Bills got – because the Bills got blown out in – I thought yes. two of the Niners. I know they had a missed field goal in one of them, so I didn't know if that was mm-hmm. like That was against the Giants. That was the yeah. first one. And yeah. then the next year, I think, was only 10 points, and then they lost by like 20 and 30 yeah. in the last two. Okay. That's by the probably... Cowboys, I believe. The Cowboys yeah. destroyed them two years in a row. Wow. Did not know that. Interesting. Interesting. I know. Awesome. Well, anything else before we kick off? I guess this will be the third sport we will have covered live now because it's just been all MLB yeah. talk. I mean, I guess spring training counts, but yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But hey, uh, we're going to be, I know it's about a month away, but we are going to be live streaming the draft. Jack and I will be at my apartment. We might have some other friends, COVID friendly, that will be there. We are going to most likely live stream through Twitch and then upload that through YouTube at the same time. So we'll have a YouTube and a Twitch stream running at the same time. If anyone has any suggestions, any questions or anything, any advice that they want to give us, because this is really the first big live stream thing we're doing. I think Twitch would be the best avenue to do it. But if anyone has any suggestions or any advice they want to give us on the best way to efficiently do that with streaming through both platforms, that would be great. Uh, we'll have the live stream running of the draft on the full screen. And then in one of the corners will be our reaction or I'll do full screen, our reactions. And then in the bottom left or bottom right will be the draft running. And, so, and Jordan, this is just rounds four through seven, right? Yes. Yeah, just rounds four <laughs> yeah, through seven. Okay, We're not cool. going to do Thursday. Yeah. Night. Screw no, the first the round. Most no important one, no night. one gives a <laughs> shit about the first round. I'm <laughs> no this will only be the first round. Because yeah. We have only lives. the first round. Something. So. Yeah, you'll see our live reactions. I'm sure there's going to be some crazy picks like we've seen the past couple of years. Um, the craziest I remember being was Clellan Farrell getting picked fourth overall like two or three years ago. Like to yeah. me, that was a crazy pick. Yeah, and speaking of live stream, also check out, like I said, I'm going to be going to the Red Sox games on Saturday and Tuesday. So next week too, we will be doing another Wednesday recording unless you guys want to hear me just record an hour from Fenway Park. Um, I don't think you want to hear that because it'll just be me swearing a lot of the time and screaming fuck, (laughs) but, uh, I will probably try and do somewhat of an Instagram live story of it because it's definitely going to be unique. Only 12% of fans are going to be there. So definitely going to be an interesting story. I know some stadiums I think are allowed to have full capacity. I don't know if the MLB is allowing that, but it's definitely going to be a interesting Fenway park feel for those of you who are Red Sox fans or just baseball fans in general. I mean, I guess if you are a Florida Marlins or I should say Miami Marlins or Tampa Bay Rays fans, 12% is probably pretty common to you, mm. but uh, <laughs> no, not so <laughs> but, I mean, savage. is what it is, but uh, Jordan, anything else you got to add before we, hop off no man i'm all set thank you guys for tuning in as always thank you for the listens thank you for the shares thank you for interacting with us on instagram and twitter you guys are what make this run and you guys are what makes this fun for jack and i absolutely so without any further ado go suns go white Sox, go padres go you can say go yankees go red Sox. go cardinals go cardinals arizona hats Go, uh, oh, uh, you know, go UCLA, be the 11 seed that wins it all. And uh, I guess, Jordan, you still have Zaga in there. Yes. Also, happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter for those who celebrate. And get Rod on the pod.